At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Coming up on episode 280 of Wheel Bearings. I'm back from CES with all of the uh, interesting stuff that happened there in automotive space. Uh, Nicole has been driving the Mercedes-Benz AMG EQS, and Robbie rented a Kia Sorento. All that and more coming up next. This is Wheel Bearings episode 280, the first new episode for 2023. And I am Sam Abu Al Samich from Guidehouse Insights. And I am Nicole Wakeland, and this week we will say Forbes. All right. And I am Roberto Baldwin from Tom's Guide. It's a site, not just a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, all right, uh, Robbie, why don't you go first? Oh, all right. So I didn't get a uh, like a press car in. Instead, I went up to the mountains this uh, past week, and I rented a Kia Sorento. So, so you uh, wanted to get as far away from CES as you possibly could, huh? I did. I, I um, it's the last few years. Last year, my wife walked into my office. She's like, "You don't have a job, right?" I'm like, "Hey." She's like, "So you don't you don't have to go to CES?" I'm like, "Well, not really." And if I don't, you know, she's like, yeah, they're not going to CES. And then this year was sort of the same thing. She's like, you don't have to go to CES, do you? I'm like, well, I can make a lot of money. She's like, mm. <laughs> so, instead, so instead, I did That's exactly. That's the kind of attitude I like from a partner. Yeah. Um, so instead, I did exactly one article about CES, most actually a video about CES. And then I went to the mountains. And um, I needed to rent a car. And we have our bomb cyclone or cyclone bomb or i don't bomb know it's, cyclone it's, yeah. i think it's, it's bomb we're getting cyclone. we're getting a lot of rain in a short amount of time and then it's a dry day and then a lot of rain <laughs> in a short amount of time and then it's a dry day and like hey you want five inches of rain in a day yeah so i um i had asked for an all-wheel drive vehicle to um to take up to the mountains uh the our our hyundai is front wheel drive it has high efficiency tires on it that's no uh the brz dogs won't fit in it the Jaguar, it's a Jaguar. Uh, so, <laughs> but worse, it's an old Jaguar. It's an old Jaguar. Um, so I asked for a a forerunner or similar, and when I got there, they're like, "Would you like this Kia Sorento?" And I said, "Yes, I would." And it was uh, it was delightful. It's you know it's 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 a Kia Hyundai Motor Group. Um, for thir- okay, so I built it. Remember, these are this is a rental spec, which means it's like. It doesn't have much of anything. Um, but <laughs> I built the same car, and the most expensive thing was adding the white paint, which is like another 500 bucks. Um, they charged you 500 extra for white paint? That's what Kia does. Because <laughs> they have gray, yeah. darker gray, and then darker, darker gray for free. And then, <laughs> and then you can get the, the, the white paint is like $445. 
So the car is uh, $31,860. It was all-wheel drive, um, three rows. Obviously, we put down all the second and third row, put the dogs back there. They were happy. It's got an eight-speed transmission. It's got uh, snow mode, which was nice because we actually did drive up to the snow, so the dog could run around in the snow, so that was nice. Uh, 17-inch alloy wheels. That's like these really nice, thick sidewalls was the um, I got on there, which is, uh, I, I, I think sidewalls need to come back. We need big, thick sidewalls because it makes your the drive nicer. I'm just, yeah. You have, you have thinner, you have, you have these little teeny, tiny sidewalls. Guess what? You're, you're, you're yeah. Your ride quality goes Your ride quality bad. goes down. Down, down, down. Um, it's got a all-wheel drive, and you can get it. There's a center locking differential if you need it for for whatever reason. You just boop. I just and this is almost the, like I a get, real SUV. Yeah, yeah, Who knew? like a real SUV. Um, I really probably didn't even need snow. I mean, I was driving on snow, but I probably would have been fine without it. Um, and you know, I I just put in the LX trim because you know that's the cheapest thing they got. Um, it has they had um. It had lane, lane keep assist, uh, lane centering, but it didn't have adaptive cruise control. It had regular cruise control, um, which is, yeah, whatever. I don't, I mean, I just, I tried it for like a hot second and I'm like, all right, I'm done with this. <laughs> um, but overall, no, it's a nice car. Uh, lots of room. Uh, it was comfortable. It's a three, three and a half hour, four hour, depending on traffic and weather, up to uh, where we went. Uh, we went up to, uh, up to uh, Oakhurst. And yeah, no, there's, there's room for the dogs. Um, Bowie had a little trouble, like, standing straight up because he's a German Shepherd with the seats down, but, I mean, he's fine. We put a big blanket, and, and then they have a nice big bed that we put back there. They're all, they're very pampered dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, this is, you know, for, for $32,000, if you're looking for a nice SUV, like, just bare bones cheap, but you still have a third row, you still have all-wheel drive, you have a snow mode, if that's, you know, if that's a thing you have to deal with and you have the center locking differential like Woo-hoo. i like i looked out i'm like oh that's nice look at that um you know in, in a world where average transaction prices have gotten up to something like forty eight thousand dollars in the u.s that's a bargain it is it's a bargain it's a bargain yeah and i was getting like 30 minutes, 20, about 28 and a half to 29 miles per gallon so. nice. that's up up and down you know uh on the way there and the way back I just put it in smart mode where it puts it in eco mode or comfort or sport, depending on how you're using the accelerator. Um, there's, you know, I, I'm not racing a Kia Sorento <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> Most of the time you're on the freeway and then you're on back roads where it's raining like crazy. So it wasn't I'm like trying to envision you flying along in that with the dogs with their head out the window, ears Yeah, flapping. that's the other thing is, you, you know, the dogs, you know, you can't just like take off and yeah. So it's got a, um, a 2.5 liter four cylinder engine. So it's kind of a, you know, 100. It's not a huge engine, uh, 191 horsepower, 182 pound-feet of torque. When you're in smart mode, there is – and now here's the thing. was When you when you get a, a rental car, for some reason, it seems like they never are checking the um, automatic transmission fluid. <laughs> oh, you know how it's like You know how sometimes you can kind of feel it slipping a little bit because they're not like – they haven't flushed it? I think – I feel like that's <laughs> the last thing they do with um, with rental cars. Um uh, yeah, so I think there's a little bit, and this is like the last three rental cars I felt this on. Um, but you know, if, if you put in smart mode, it just switches between the modes. The switching is can be a little, there, there can be a little bit of delay. Again, I'm not sure if that's because of the fact that it's a rental car, which are you know, everyone beats the hell out of, or if it's a, a Kia Sorento issue. Um, I actually could get a Kia Sorento in if I I could probably call it in and and have a proper thing. But um, if you're renting a car. 
and you need to see like I don't I don't know a bunch of people and two of them are really tiny, or you have some dogs or whatever, and you got to go somewhere where you know you need to throw some all you know some all seasons all wheel drive and Kia Sorento that's a pretty sweet uh, rental car right there, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be happy and I've been I've been fortunate I've been, I've been getting a lot of Kias and Hyundai's whenever I rent cars they're always like do you want this or do you want this I'm like yeah, I'll take the Kia or the Hyundai it always just because it has it's you just plug it in. Uh, CarPlay just works. Everything just sort of works. You just get in the car and everything just works. They're not like looking for something. They're not trying to like re-engineer how stuff works. It's just, okay, fine. And you're just like, okay, this is a, an easy to, to figure out car. Yeah, I like that car. I think it's a good one. I'm not surprised that you liked it because I think the Sorento is a solid little car. It's good value. Yeah, yeah Solid car, value. fun to drive, you know. Good value. If you're looking for something like that, go try it out. I feel like Hyundai and Kia are still my favorite overall. If I just had to pick a brand, just, you want a car that's a good value, Hyundai Kia. Hyundai pick one. Kia. Just it's, go with those a, guys because they they hold up well. They got good reliability, and you're going to get more stuff for the price than you will for yeah, any other you're OEM. Get, yeah, you're going to get a lot more just stuff that you were like, oh, uh, you'd have guys, to pay Robbie for. Robbie is drinking a and, Starbucks as we're recording, and now I'm really jealous. I don't have a <laughs> Starbucks. Right. Come on, Robbie. Did you bring one for the whole class? You didn't. I did, but I drank it. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't Apologies. send it through Zoom. Yeah, dang it. Why is this, why does Zoom not work that way? <laughs> All right. Uh, and and the, the best thing about it, the dogs like it. The dogs appreciate it. Yeah, the dogs like it. It's a little bit of a jump for, for, uh, for Nico because she's small, but she still made it. You know, with the seats down. Typically, when we get into the the Kona, we just have the seats up, so they just sit in the back seats. Yeah. Um, and um, the same with the Jaguar; they just sit in the back seats. So she just and you do of course buckle them in, right? They have little thingies. Yeah. They have little harnesses and whatnot, so they don't go sliding you, around. You should, and we you have always do that with your dogs. Don't let your dogs loose, because if anything happens, you don't want your dog flying around in the cabin of the vehicle. Exactly. Yeah. I might I wish so wish my little It's also nice if you get that little cars. cage. That cage is sort of nice too. Oh, to keep yeah. them from going sticking their head in your face. Mine just mine's yeah. too small. He sits in his little carrier and he shakes the whole time. He hates car rides. I'm like, come on, I take you Aww. with me places, but he's just he's petrified of them. Da- I don't know Daisy why. Daisy likes car rides and she's she's very chill. You know, we buckle her in and she just kinda hangs out back there. I don't know. My dog is afraid. He's scared to death. We even tried taking We went through this whole thing where we tried to take him to places like, let's make sure he's going places he's liking. Like, don't take him to the vet. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's take him to the uh, park. Yeah. Let's take him to happy places. He was just as terrified going to happy places as he was when the destination was the vet. So we couldn't break him of this fear. It's very sad. My poor little sad doggo. I feel like I should get Subaru to send me every car they have, and I'll just judge them all based on how much their dogs like them. It'll see be more how, of a dog. See how dog-friendly they really are. That, that would be awesome. That sounds like an excellent plan. Yeah. So I'm thinking I'm gonna, I'll, I I'll like reach this out to plan. Subaru and see yeah, what Yeah, just one right after the other. Boom, 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 I have boom. to reach out to somebody and sell that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to email. I know who to email. Look all at right. Robbie's like, wait, I have an idea for a story. I'm going to write this down. I do this all the time. I have ideas for stories. I don't write them down. That's what you gotta and do. Then, you got to do. You got to put them down somewhere so you remember. He's looking for paper. Just write it on the side of your Starbucks Get cup. My... You've got that handy. Okay. No, I'll throw that all right. away. All right. Nicole, what have you been yes. driving? So I went from one electrified Mercedes last week to another one this week. I have the Mercedes AMG EQS. Um, which is a fancy pants sedan. Okay, 
this is not cheap. Like, we get expensive cars in the driveway. It doesn't always happen. But, like, sometimes I don't realize. I'm like, how much is this one? Do you know how much this car is? This is $159,000. Yep. One five nine and three zeros after it. Um, okay, guys, let's do because we haven't done it in a while. Destination. Uh, eighteen hundred. You said. Yeah, I'm gonna go nineteen. <gasps> it's only one thousand and fifty. Yeah, really? I won. Yeah, I know. I'm just the Mercedes is a little less squeamish about just raising their MSRP. So you know, I think I think what we're seeing, you know, from the domestic brands is no, we're not going to raise our MSRP. We're just going to raise the destination charge. Exactly, destination is going to be twelve thousand dollars. Yeah, so it's yeah. only ten fifty for destination, but you're paying one fifty nine. Actually, the base on this is one forty seven. So they put a whole bunch of extra stuff on it, and much like the Mercedes I had last week, this one also has a few things that they couldn't that are supposed to be standard that aren't standard, but they oh, gave you a credit no. back for them. But this time it tells you. So they gave you a credit for there are no heated rear seats or windshield and washer system, and there is no valet beginner driver mode. Boo. Yep, so you got an extra about... So is that only for beginner valets or for beginners and valets? You know, this is a question. I think you need to reach out for Mercedes for clarification. Well, I I would if they would answer my questions, but they don't like to respond to my questions. Maybe this is a moment. They answer my questions all the time. I could ask them since I'm driving their car. I guess hopefully they answer me, right? Is it beginner slash valet? It's actually technically valet slash beginner. Okay. Well, okay. There you go. So so in that case, it's probably valets and beginners. To keep them from doing burnouts in your Mercedes-Benz EQS. Your $150,000 car. Can you imagine for a second, though, like, you know, you have, like, teen driver on, who is that? That's GM, right? They do the teen driver thing. They all have their things. But imagine you're at a point in your life. You have a hundred and fifty nine thousand dollar Mercedes, and you toss the keys to your sixteen year old. You know they they their car broke down. They still have to go to work at the wherever they work. Maybe they work at a restaurant. The country club. The country club, or a restaurant, or a farm, or I'm just thinking of things I've worked at. (laughs) Some sort of factory, some sort of underground coal mine. That's exactly where the children of people who drive a car this expensive would drive would work. You, you, you know, you, uh, your kids got to have a job. You got to teach them responsibility. Like I'm rich doesn't mean you're rich. Yeah, exactly. You are poor. If anything, so you should leave this house. If anything, you're making things worse for me financially. I'll be so, richer when you're out of here. So get your get your little coal miner hat on. Your little coal, coal miner gloves. Miner you can take the EQS, but you need a shower before you get in. I was going to say, then I thought, oh my gosh, if you're a coal miner and you got in the EQS, you would destroy the interior in 30 seconds. But <laughs> since this is, yeah, probably not going to happen. So uh, what you have is 649 horsepower, 700 pound-feet of torque. Um, it moves. It moves really fast. It moves really aggressively. You press the, I still want to call it gas pedal, and it shoots off into traffic like nobody's business. It is super fun to drive. And there's just something so cool about EVs because I know everyone misses the rumbly, roaring sounds of all their powerful engines. But when you just like stealth whoosh into traffic and you make no sound, it's pretty nifty in its own right. Uh, so that's, that's kind of nice. You have a range of 277 miles according to ye olde epa and i was running it about that it was i think i was getting like my range because i kept looking to see because again it's been kind of cold weather but it was a little bit warmer it was like in the 40s a couple of times this week when i was getting out to the car it was like 275 276 so it was right 
like coming up, like it felt like I was, I was in the range they were saying I was going to get. So this makes me happy. Um, I didn't have to charge it every day, which is kind of nice uh, because it just, again, it's that driving around town. Unless you're really going on a long drive, how often do you need that much range? I keep saying it, but I feel like people still ask me this on an EV all the time. Oh, but what if you run out? I, I don't. If I'm, I'm not going on a road trip. I'm driving around town. I know where I am. It's not like I drive 200 miles in the course of a day. Uh, that's just 80, not 80% happening. Of, 80% of Americans drive less than 40 miles a day. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, that range, you can get through most of what you need to for the day. Uh, this is 110% in every way when you sit down in it, a luxury car. The screens across it, there's, it's not just a dashboard screen. It's like a dashboard that is a screen. It's just screen as far to the left and as far to the right as you can possibly look. <laughs> there's nothing but screen in this thing. So you have your instrument cluster, you have your infotainment screen, and there's a third screen that's like over in front of the passenger, um, which when I first got in the car, it had a compass on it, which is super distracting because the compass spins, right? As you're driving. I'm like, what is happening on that last on, on screen? On the passenger that, screen? Yeah, on the passenger screen. It, so, didn't, it didn't turn off the screen when you looked at it? Mm -mm, I could totally say it. Ooh, that's not good. Yes. So wait, yeah. It didn't, it, wait. So you could. It, was it doing things? It was. It had the compass. It has had a look at Robbie's. Face. It wouldn't even. It wouldn't even turn on unless someone's in the passenger seat for me. Oh, you got a broken car. I don't know. Maybe I got a broken one. There is nobody sitting there. Maybe there passenger was a missing sensor that's supposed to detect missing that. Sensor. Missing sensor. So I have yep. this passenger screen with like a compass on it, and the compass is like north, 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 south, east. I'm like, ah, so it was kind of bizarre to see that. So I can see why you don't normally see that. Um, one of the things, though, so the ambient lighting, I just have to call this out because this was the most bat poop crazy thing I've ever seen in a car. So you have ambient lighting, and it's normally like, you know, think like it's a line that runs along the dashboard and maybe onto the door panels, and maybe you're, maybe something on the center console lights up. You know, you have a couple little things, and you can change the color to red or blue or yellow, whatever your heart likes. And then you can sometimes make it goes, it fades slowly from dark red to light red or dark blue to light blue. These sort of subtle things that it's sort of like this, it's nice, it's ambient, it's not distracting, it's just a little color in the background, right? You guys have all seen this? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mercedes. You can set this, and I wasn't playing with this. My husband was, and I made him stop. You can set it to look like you're on the party bus inside of this thing <laughs> as you're yeah. driving along. I was I like, turned, what? I turned the brightness all the way up. I set it so it's animated. It's a party. Oh and then, God. like, two minutes later, I just sort of forget about it and just keep driving. It's no, I did not forget about it. And it could have been because he was like, let's make it red. Let's make it blue. Let's make it. And it was like, you have got to stop <laughs> changing all the colors in this car. Uh, but it literally yeah. was, like, playing and blinking and pulsing and different colors. And all of that to myself, I'm like, I can't, like, look at my phone at a stoplight, right? Because <laughs> then I'm distracted driving. But I can have the party bus for ambient lighting, and that's totally legal. So Something feels very weird here. <laughs> it was Party strange. Bus. It was strange. But driving it is a joy. I mean, it's really comfortable. Um, it has that very high-tech feel. The um, Mercedes voice activation, the M-Bucks, um, which I still think that's a weird name. It makes me think of Starbucks. M it's M-B-U-X. Mercedes-Benz no, user experience. We, I know, it's, but we it's, say like it's M M-B-U-X, but we all say M-Bucks. It's M-Bucks. You know that's what we all say, M-Bucks. Yeah. Um, but... The system is really good. Like when you say, hey, Mercedes, it responds pretty quickly and did a pretty good job of hearing what I was saying. And it also knew when my husband was speaking to it from the passenger seat and it would 
the little blue sort of pixelated thingy on the dashboard that was like, hello, I'm the little AI in your car, goes over to his side of things and responds over on the other side and it blinks in the middle when it's talking to me. So that was kind of neat. So overall, I liked it. I mean, I thought it was really good. I mean, it's it's a luxury car that feels like the interior is beautiful, all the trims, all the finishes. Um, There is nothing lacking it's comfortable. It's roomy. I mean, hubby is 6'3". He was perfectly comfortable in the front seat, even sat in the back seat behind where he had his seat adjusted. Still totally fine. So, Robbie, you fit in this car. Good to know. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't be squished. Even in this, right? Even in the EQS? Yeah, I think the back seat still leaves, leaves a little bit more headroom, mm. to be honest. There's still, it's, okay. still, it's a little tight just because of the way the design is. I think the EQS X. SUV, which is a weird name to just throw SUV on the end of EQS because it's bigger. It has more. It has more room. But yeah, I think that the, the, to me, the only thing that's the, the biggest issue with that car is that the, the so rear the seat is headroom because it's like right here. It's okay, but if you moved your head a little bit to the left or the uh, right, like okay. that column right there. Yeah. Um, and it is very. It is kind of slopey. Like it's nice that this is a sedan, but it has. It's a hatchback, the way the sedan. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, yeah. The hatchback's they, they, awesome. They just call it a sedan, but it's a hatchback sedan. So when you open that trunk, you have a huge amount of space back there. I mean, it's a ton of space, which is sort of unexpected, especially when you just look at it and you think, oh, it's it's got a traditional trunk. You're expecting there not to be a very big one, but because it's that hatch, you can put quite a bit in the back of this thing. So um, I liked this very much. I thought the multimedia system was great. I thought the performance and the handling are fun. Um, it looks like a spaceship when you turn that sucker on. I mean, every light that comes on at night, the steering wheel, it's red, it's blue. Like, they're all about the lights. I mean, some lighting designer, they, like, gave them, like, full, like, just go for it. Bob, do whatever you want. And he did. And the interior of this thing lights up like a Christmas tree when you turn it on. So, um, yeah, so I really like this. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't know that I would spend $160,000 on a car in the first place, but it was, you know, you... You get some luxury cars in this price range and or, or creeping up to this, and you sit down and you're like, okay, what do you get for 160 grand or 125 or 130 or 40 or whatever? And sometimes you're like, okay, so this has a fancy name and it has a couple of fancy features, but nothing makes it really feel as special as that price tag says it should be. This one, when you drive this, when you sit in it, when you look at it, the features, the style that you think, okay, yeah, you know what? This actually feels like it should be a six-figure car that has all this luxury and all this technology. So, weirdly, I'm going to say this was fairly priced, even though it's you know well out of most people's budgets to buy something this expensive. Fairly, fairly priced for what it is. Yes, that's yeah. like like your you can get you know your Kia Sorento is a great deal, and it's not one hundred and sixty thousand dollars. But if you're looking at this kind of price range. This isn't one of those cars where you look at it and think, I have no idea why anybody would pay this much money for this. It doesn't live up to it. Nope. It lives up to exactly what that price tag says. You, you, are, you are not disappointed. You think, okay, yep, this is, this is a car that should be worth, it should come at a premium. In every way, it feels like a premium vehicle. Excellent. All right. Well, before heading off to Las Vegas for four and a half days of CES, I um, was driving around in the Jeep Grand Wagoneer L uh, Series 3 Obsidian, uh, which is, uh, uh, it is a big honking SUV. <laughs> and this is Where do you longer, park it? Nobody knows. It, it's, it's 12 <laughs> inches longer than a standard Wagoneer, which is already very, very long. Uh, I think it's about 
four or five inches longer than a Suburban or a long wheelbase Escalade. Um, and when my wife and I climbed in to go to lunch one day in Detroit, she said, why are we in this thing? This thing is so huge. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the one and you I said, had, what, honey? I can't hear you. You're too far away in the car. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, one of my complaints previously from the driving the standard wheelbase Wagoneers was the width. Because this thing is about four inches wider than a Ford Expedition or Lincoln Navigator. And about two and a half inches wider than the GM full-size SUV. So this is, this is a broad machine. Um, and uh, for 2023... With the launch of the L version, the the long, the longer version of it, um, you get an extra 12 inches of overall length. I think about uh, six inches of that goes into the wheelbase. Um, the seats have not moved, so you get the same amount of passenger volume, but that 12 inches all goes to the cargo volume at the back, which, if you're going to carry six or seven or eight people, is actually very useful on a on a long trip. Um, so there's plenty of cargo space back there. Um, and even though the seats have not moved, they are still very voluminous. Uh, so the, the, the one that I had had the center, the second row captain's chairs. Uh, so you get technically seven seating positions. There's seven seat belts. Um, I don't know that you, unless you're, unless they're small, very slim or they're children, I don't know that you'd necessarily want to put three in the back seat in the third row seat, uh, but you, you theoretically could. If you um, have children, that's exactly where they should be, as far away from you. Exactly, as yes. But, you know, you, regardless, if you have adults back there, they will have adequate leg room, adequate head room, uh, so that's not a problem at all. Um, you know, this, this is a big SUV. <laughs> and um, in addition to the extra length for 23 uh, with the L model, uh, they have also introduced... The uh, three-liter twin-turbo Hurricane inline six uh, in two forms. They're, there's the standard version, which is about 420 horsepower that you get in the non-grand Wagoneers, the, just the standard Wagoneers, and then the grand Wagoneers um, get the Hurricane 510. Which can you guess how many horsepower that one has? One billion. No. <laughs> 640. A million horsepower. Maybe 510? 510 horsepower. <gasps> no, and, I'm and shocked. Fi- and 500 foot-pounds of torque, which is quite a bit more than you get from any of the twin-turbo V6 EcoBoost engines in, in any of the Fords. I think they max out, at least in trucks and SUVs, at about 450 horsepower. Um, so, but, you know, given the size of this thing, you know, this is basically like an aircraft carrier. On wheels, <laughs> uh, you know that that 510 horsepower can be useful. You know, it gets, gives you lots of towing capability. Um, the that long wheelbase uh, means that uh, you know it also gives you nice, comfortable ride, uh, which is you know consistent with the rest of Stellantis's uh, big body-on-frame uh, vehicles. They they all do exceptionally well on ride quality. Um, Handling, you know, such as it is for, you know, a three-ton vehicle is actually pretty decent. Uh, you know, plenty of acceleration from, from this thing. That's not a problem at all. Um, one of the arguments for designing this new engine to replace the Hemi V8s uh, is for extra fuel economy. 
And technically, they, you know, they bumped it up by about one to two miles per gallon, depending on which which variant you got compared to the uh, the, the previous Hemi V8s. But this still isn't particularly fuel efficient. Uh, <laughs> Well, you're, I'm you're driving around in a in a like a battle cruiser, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. So you know, in a, in a mix of uh, highway, urban, suburban driving, uh, I averaged uh, just over 16 miles per gallon. Ooh, uh, wow! It's it's EPA rated at um, uh, let's see for the Grand Wagoneer L. Uh, it's EPA rated at 14 city, 16 combined, 19 highway. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I hit the EPA yeah. label number, but that's still not terribly impressive. <laughs> no. Uh, then again, but you're hauling if, like you have a, you're essentially driving a bus. So pretty much. <laughs> Basically, it's a bus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, if you can afford a Grand Wagoneer L, uh, particularly a Series Three Obsidian like I had, um, then you know you're probably not too concerned about the price of fuel. <laughs> You don't uh, think? No, probably not. Um, I did not get uh, a Monroni with this one, uh, but the base price on the Series 3 Obsidian, uh, actually, strangely enough, they don't even have the pricing for the L's on the uh, the Jeep website yet, on the build and price uh, configurator. Uh, for the standard length Series 3 Obsidian wa- Grand Wagoneer, it starts at $109,635. Um, and I think, I believe that all in, which is basically what this one is, it came with the, uh, uh, the $645 midnight sky exterior paint, which is a really, really, really dark blue that under most conditions basically looks almost black. Um, I, I, I had a Subaru like that. It was, it was that midnight blue. And I thought it was just a black Subaru for like a month. And then one day it was like, <laughs> And then one day out in the sun, I'm like, oh, it's blue. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, the color is different. And, yeah, this one was also equipped with the second row seating group, which is the uh, the captain's chairs. Um, and um, uh, the uh, – or actually, sorry, this one didn't have the second row seating group because it had the captain's chairs. The second row seating group gives you three, three seating positions, and this thing is wide enough that you can fit three adults in that second row. Um but uh, I did have the rear seat entertainment group, which is about twenty two hundred bucks. Um, you know, so all in, it, it's a it's about one hundred and twenty thousand uh, dollars for this thing. You can also still get it. You can order it um, with the. Uh, or actually, no, you can't order this, this. Sorry, I'm I'm looking at the uh, the standard one. Um, the the standard one for now, you can still order with the six point four liter V eight. Although I'm not sure why you would want to. Uh, this one is. Uh, it's definitely better with the uh, the Hurricane V8. The Hurricane V8 is a lovely engine, uh, very smooth. Um, you know, it's got got a nice sound to it. Um, very, it's more powerful than the than the V8s. Uh, yeah, it's it's a great vehicle. Um, any guesses on the um, uh, on the shipping on the delivery charge? Oh, it's the Lantis, uh, fourteen hundred. Uh, crud. I was going to say fourteen ninety five, so I'm still just going to say that because that's what I was going to say. Nicole wins because it's Yay! actually nineteen ninety five. Oh my gosh! Jesus! Wow! Okay, that's, yeah, I dropped my pen. He's so distracted; he's dropping things. <laughs> <laughs> I need to drop my pen. Wow, that's a lot. 
Yeah. Uh, they, Stellantis, uh, Stellantis was the first one to really start bumping up the uh, delivery charges on their on the, the trucks and SUVs. You probably have to uh, buy so a, like a special grand. boat just to ship these things. <laughs> extra well, wide trains. Yeah, probably extra wide trains because these are built in Detroit. Um, so uh, they don't have to ship them overseas, thankfully. Um, what else was, was in this Can one? you imagine, like, what road would this fit on overseas? Is there a road in Europe that this would fit? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, it barely fits on a lot of American roads. I remember mm-hmm. when I did the first drive on the Wagoneer, which they did in, in New York City for some reason. I was on that, too. I get that they were they were trying to show us you leave the big city and you go to this country, this place, you know, you for the weekend, like... You weekend in the Hamptons or whatever, but I'm like, oh, Lord, couldn't we have just started there to begin with? Because it was really hard to drive in the city. Yeah, well, uh, apparently a quarter of all Jeep sales are in the New York metropolitan mm-hmm. area, which is crazy to me. Why so many people in New York would want to drive a Jeep? I, or not drive a Jeep, but drive a Jeep that big. I can see yes. why you drive a Jeep. Because the weather Yeah, because the roads stuff, are pretty bad. Right? So, so, so I get the Jeep part. I'm like, but Grand Wagoneer? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so among, among the features on here, you get the Macintosh MX1375 entertainment system, which has 1,375 watts and like 20-some-odd uh, speakers. Um, it's also got uh, um, the uh, heated and cooled seats in both the first and second rows, 14-inch um, um, center display in the front, two 10-inch displays in the second row. Um, 11 uh, USB ports around the vehicle. Uh, so you have USBs for everybody, um, and some people get a couple of spares as well. Uh, there's also HDMI ports for the, uh, the rear seat entertainment. All, all, the, all the goodies are in this thing. Uh, so it's about 120 grand all in. Um, as I said, not, not terribly fuel efficient, uh, but you know if you're, if you're driving a, a battle cruiser, you probably don't really care, a lux- especially a luxury <laughs> battle cruiser like this. A battle cruiser. Uh, yeah, I if if I was in the market for um, for uh, you know a full size three row luxury SUV, you know that was really three row and that could carry all the stuff that that those people would need for a road trip, it would be it would be a close choice between this and the Escalade, the long wheelbase Escalade. 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 Um, How about the Navigator? I, I like the Navigator a lot, but I think the the Escalade and the uh, the, the Wagoneer are, are a little bit better. They've got they've got the the air suspension it gives them a little better ride quality. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, certainly, you know, if you anticipate doing anything off road, uh, you know, the the Jeep four wheel drive system, the Quadra Track two four wheel drive system, uh, is going to take you places that the um, that the other two certainly aren't going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is, this is probably the optimal choice. If you want something this huge, uh, I personally don't anticipate ever needing to own something this huge, <laughs> uh, but if, if it's, if that's what you want, then, you know, this is, this is a great solution. Um, you know, it's powerful, it's comfortable. Um, it's fairly handsome. Um, and uh, especially in the obsidian with the, the black grill and the black wheels. Um, and, uh, it's, it, it's, a it's a good three row luxury full-size SUV. Yeah. I like it. I think it's great. I don't know why I would need a car that big. I try to think even when the kids were little and I had the 
the maximum number of children and other moms and assorted stuff. I'm like, I still never needed a car that big, but it is cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to, you know, if you need it, then it's nice to know that there's something like this out there. There's also the option, you know, if you need the size, but you don't necessarily want to spend that much and you don't necessarily need quite as much luxury, the, the, the regular Wagoneer L, the, the non-grand Wagoneer, uh, is also available in the L with the 420 horsepower um, version of that six-cylinder. And uh, it's also really, really good. And it's, uh, it's a few tens of thousands of dollars more affordable. Yeah, saves you a few bucks. All righty. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. Speaking of uh, Stellantis, let's stick with Stellantis as we dive into... Uh, some of the news this week, which okay. basically all came out of CES. Um, so, first up, the Ram Revolution electric vehicle concept. <clears throat> uh, this is a concept that is, uh, from what I'm told, uh, a very close representation of the Ram 1500 EV that is coming out next year. And in fact, um, we will be seeing that vehicle, the production version of it, um, in the next few months. We don't have to wait until 2024. It, it'll actually be shown fairly soon. Um, and Yay. I had, I had uh, a conversation last week with Mike Koval, who is the, uh, the head of the Ram brand, uh, and uh, we, we talked about some of that stuff. Uh, and after this segment, I will insert that in there. Uh, but um, what, do you, what do the two of you think of the Ram Revolution concept? I think it looks really cool. I actually really like it. I think because yeah, it's cool. it's because I you know all these the, everything that's an EV can't look like everything that's not like we've established right is that the going design thing it must look like it came slightly from the set of a Star Trek movie it has to be a little bit like out there and this 
definitely has that. I like the styling on this is just unique and different and cool. I hope it looks this much like this when they build it. This is what the Cybertruck should have looked like. You really mm. blew it. They were there. So, <laughs> just, like, yeah. just make it's. I mean, if you look at it, it's like it's got those like very like uh, uh, those sharp edges that you know they showed off and everyone got excited. And then that truck isn't still isn't available. Meanwhile, this is Ram, who you know slow far you know later than say Ford or Rivian. Um, this this will probably be on the road before the Cybertruck. Literally everything's going to be on the road before the Cybertruck, to be honest. <laughs> we'll have moved on from EVs by the time the Cybertruck yeah, is we'll on the road. <laughs> so, Hydrogen so, will finally be working correctly. <laughs> so, so from a design perspective, of the, the electric trucks that we've, we've seen so far, the Lightning, the Rivian R1T, the, the Silverado, the Sierra, uh, the Cybertruck, and this Ram, which, how, where would you rank those? I still like the Rivian the best. I like the Rivian. I think the I, I like the the funky look of the Rivian. Are we just talking style of it? Like yeah, how just it design, looks? just aesthetics. Just, just I aesthetics. like the Rivian because it, it. This is right with the Rivian with me though, because the Rivian looks very different. Like it's like it's very definitely a truck, but it's that truck of the future. The F one fifty Lightning's a little bit more tame. You know, you don't know that it's, it's Lightning really. Yeah, it's, it's an F one fifty. Like you don't really know that it's something different unless you start looking at badging, which is also, I guess, has a certain appeal. I I don't know. This one might do a little more. It's like a skosh, just a skosh. That's a real fine, like that very distinct measurement of one skosh above the Rivian for me. I just, that that fantastic like that one shot they have from the top with the roof with that huge, just gigantic glass roof. Imagine what that's gonna be like when you're inside that truck. The styling on this looks really, really slick. I don't the 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 whole greenhouse thing. It looks too small. It looks like it's really like com it's like this squat little area yeah, on top I of think, this really long skateboard. <laughs> it's like this I, I think that's like one of the things that'll change for the production no! truck. I, I suspect the you could be like if you got in, oh. Oh, if you got into line. this truck. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to see, like, the three cars sitting in front of you right now. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be able to see the three cars sitting in front of you, but I'd be able to see this. <laughs> your two no, you'd be sitting lower because yeah. the, the way that it's you so think squat be, no, and it's so long. No, it's look, got, I'm it's sure like, I just moved the little look. seats up. We like, you're not going to be able to see anything. Like, we can't see anything out of, the, like, trucks right now. You can't like you know, that's why that's why we are we're in the the drive-through like all the big trucks are like a a car length behind the car in front of them because they can't see anything. They can't tell where yeah. it is. And this truck you'd over. be like, "Oh, it just yeah." Well, but but besides, it just looks a little I wish they just I know it looks like a chop like like it's you know it's an 80s hot rod, but I I don't know. It just Yeah, and and I think that the proportions I, I said, are slightly I think, off. I think that's one of the things that will change on the production truck. I think that will be a little bit taller. Oh yeah. Now, yeah, the other thing is, you know, uh, on these, on some of these electric trucks, especially the uh, uh, the GMs and and this one, uh, you know, unlike the Ford, which keeps the the standard cab proportions of an F one hundred and fifty because it's the same structure, uh, this one uh, they they have moved the bulkhead forward. They've shortened the front end, uh, so you you are going to be sitting a little bit closer to the front end. So oh, you might good. be able to see an extra six inches in front of you compared to <laughs> a traditional gas truck. Yeah, and you're yeah. still a pretty, you know, that, that front end is still pretty tall. Um, but, um, you know, one of the things that, that uh, changes with it, well, first of all, uh, unlike the GM trucks, this does have a separate cab and bed. Um, it, it's not a unibody like the, like the uh, Silverado and Sierra EVs. 
so it does have a separate bed, although it's the way it's designed, it kind of wraps around the sides of the cab. Uh, and it kind of looks like what you get on uh, the Honda Ridgeline, uh, which is actually all one piece. But uh, they they put that seam in there to make it look like it's two separate pieces. So it's kind of kind of weird. But according to G- according to the the folks at Ram, uh, this is a separate bed. Uh, but it does have a mid gate like the GM trucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the inside the the seats are mounted on these tracks. They call it the Ram Track system. So the seats. And the center console are mounted on these tracks, so you can move them around, move the seats around back and forth independently. And then there's actually a third row of jump seats on, mounted on the mid-gate. So you could, with this one, because uh, it doesn't have a second row bench, it's, just, it's got, uh, the, way, the way the concept is configured, it's got two separate seats in the second row. And there's two more seat, jump seats behind that, so you can have seating for six in there. Um, or you can fold down that mid-gate, and then the center console is removable. Hmm. And there's a pass-through from the cab into the frunk, so you, and then you have the mid-gate. So they say that with the center console out and the pass-through open and the mid-gate down, with the tailgate closed, you can put in objects up to 18 feet long. Wow. Because it basically stretches from right behind the front fascia to all the way back to the tailgate. So you take like big chunks of wood. Yeah, giant pieces of wood you can giant carry around. Yeah, if you need, it, wood. need some eighteen feet beams, eighteen foot long beams, you're 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 good to go in this one. I put a I put a ten foot long beam once in the BRZ. <laughs> I made it work. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and about what, six feet of that was hanging out the back? No, you had to go all the way to the corner, and then you had to put the rear seats down, and then the front seat, like you had to lean it all the way back, and then out over the 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 the, the passenger window. So I had to wrap up the 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 mirror so it wouldn't get all scratched up, and it worked. <laughs> all right. Well, it worked. That was even more. It worked. It worked. I didn't Everyone drive on the freeway. The tale. Yeah, I didn't drive on the freeway, but it worked. <laughs> <laughs> So what else we got on this one? Uh, there's a split. They call it a multifunction tailgate. It's not quite like like GM's you know six way tailgate. It's just split in the middle, so you can put it down like a standard tailgate, or uh, it splits in the middle and you fold them out sideways. They're hinged out sideways, and when you do that, um, the the floor of the bed can actually extend back, and then you've got uh, there's there's fold in. Um, Extend. There's basically like fence, a couple of fence pieces, um, so you can have that extra long bed. So you can have like eight feet in the bed. Um, See, that's that. cool. I like yeah. that. Yeah. And it has a little. Bra- it has a little brake light right there. Yeah. It's like underneath it. So when you do that, you still have brake lights. So that's pretty dope. Because sometimes you need more than five feet. And this is all based on the the Stella frame architecture, which is Stellantis's architecture for big trucks and SUVs. Um, they're not giving any specs on it except that the the concept at least is dual motor and they had a, a chassis out on the, the show floor at CES um, and uh, it's an 800 volt architecture so it'll charge at 350 kilowatts yeah um, and they you know they they copy uh, GM's claim of you know being able to add 10 uh, 100 miles of charge in 10 minutes um, so presumably it's going to have a a similar size battery, somewhere around 200 kilowatt hours, um, for the longest range versions of this. 
They have not said anything at all about the range extended version of this. Um, you know, as to, you know, exactly how that's going to be configured. Um, the interior, um, there's two 14 inch displays in the center. Um, there's the, the top one, which can actually move up and down. Um, and then the bottom one, which can be put in three different positions. So you can basically kind of slide it up like the, uh, like the display, um, in the lucid air, or you can remove it entirely and use it as a tablet. Um, there's, uh, there's a, a work surface um, for, you know, to put a laptop or whatever on there uh, that you can fold out. There is no instrument cluster. It's just the, the heads-up uh, display. Oh, okay. Um, and <laughs> He's like, so, so you do, you do you do get a HUD, which is good. You know, so you okay. get all the information in front of you. So no, no standard instrument cluster. No idea if that's going to be the way they do it on the, the production version. Um, the, the steering wheel is kind of squared off kind of like a corvette steering wheel um and it's collapsible so at some point they're planning to have uh, a level three partial automation system so you can go eyes off on the on eyes off and hands off on the highway and that steering wheel will fold and fold over and, and pull away from you um so you have extra space there um oh and the ram boxes they've got a new version of the ram box so you, you guys are familiar with the Ram box, right? Yeah, just the little things that run along the bed to put all your stuff in. Yeah, so you put all your assorted tools and stuff, you know, in these boxes along the edges of the, the sides of the bed. The Ram boxes on this thing are even bigger. They basically the entire side of the bed flips up, and you have this giant box. There. Sweet! Wow! Uh, so yeah. some pretty cool stuff. I I mean, um, the, my, I think once they and, have like the production version, I'm going to like it more. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, I think the, so. the production like design, I think I'm gonna like more with all the stuff. I mean, I know I know some of the stuff is they're probably still gonna put an instrument cluster, and, but I think everything else I'm gonna like a lot more. That's, yeah. yeah. Um, and then what I thought was one of the coolest features of this thing is the uh, the RAM charger system. Uh, so this is not uh, this is not reviving the old Ram Charger SUV of the the 1970s, uh, but instead um, it, this thing is equipped with uh, wireless charging, uh, wireless inductive charging, and most wireless charging systems for EVs, you have a transmitter pad that is bolted to the floor of your garage, and then you have to drive in and maneuver the car over the 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 charging pad. At, you know, so that your the receiver pad on the on the uh, the vehicle is directly over top of that, uh, and then it'll start charging. The Ram charger system has something that is basically like a tethered Roomba. That's it's <laughs> robotic. Just buzz you, underneath your car. When you pull into your garage, assuming you have a garage large enough to fit this thing, how big uh, is it? Did you see it? It's uh, it's about the same. It's roughly the same dimensions as a current Ram fifteen hundred crew cab. Okay. No, the uh, little thingy, the little oh, Roomba the, the thing. charger. Yeah, it's, oh, it's a I'm like, wow, that's pretty big. Roomba. It's 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 probably about uh, twenty. Like one of those automatic. Yeah, like the automatic uh, lawn mowers. Yes. Oh yeah. It was yeah. About that size. Okay. Uh, so you know, it's got a cord coming out of the back that you know it and, it, and as it moves around, as it moves away from its source, the cord comes out and it you know and then it re- automatically retracts. So you don't have this cord sticking around all over the place. And basically, when you pull in, it pulls in and finds 
the optimum spot right underneath the charging pad on the bottom of the truck. Oh, so you don't have to worry about lighting it up? That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it is. And then, you know, like for a fleet, you know, they could have, you know, if they got 20 trucks, they could have, you know, eight or 10 of these things and it can come out and move to the next truck as soon as it's done charging or, you know, in your, in your home, you know, if you got a couple of vehicles in your home, you could have one of these that automatically goes and charges whichever, whichever vehicle needs charging. It's a, it's a pretty cool solution. If it moves. Okay. So first of all, it, to me, this is like, I used to cover the internet of things like you know, lights and all that stuff. And after a few years, I was like, you know what? Just flicking a light on and off, that's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I stopped covering the internet of things because it was just, it's, it's, most of it's dumb. Um, I feel like uh, unless, if it does a thing where if I have two RAMs and it'll charge one and they're like, okay, this one's done and then move and then go and charge the other. Right, if it does that's what that, I'm cool. If it doesn't, uh, who cares? <laughs> Yeah, because, exactly. because me plugging my EV in every day, not that big of a deal. It's not the, yeah. it's not the hardest part of your whole day. To Again, it's that. like the flicking the light switch on and off. Like I like I telling my phone to turn on the light that I could, you know, get up and just turn on. <laughs> but I think for a fleet, you know, where they've got a whole bunch of vehicles. I mean, it would be um, cool if it could just draw. Like it's like, zzz, okay, you pulled it. Like there's 20 cars or 20 yeah. trucks. Like one could do like three yours, trucks at a time. Zaps. Yeah. Yeah, then it just buzzes down to the next one and buzzes down to the next one and buzzes yeah. down to the next one and no one has to be there. It just does its thing. Yeah. yeah. That'd be kind of nifty. That's cool for fleets. If they had to get one for each truck, then you're like, no, they're just going to make the guys plug it. <laughs> hey, you plug that in. Uh. So that's the, the Ram Revolution pickup, and we'll, and we'll be seeing a lot more of that in the coming months. Um, and I will put, drop in the, my interview with Mike Koval right here. All right, uh, Mike, uh, thanks for joining me today. Um, got uh, some big news uh, coming up tomorrow with the, uh, the reveal of the Ram Revolution uh, pickup truck. Um, and obviously, you know, Ram is not, uh, not the first to market with an electric pickup truck, uh, which is coming next year. And, and this obviously is not the production truck. It's a preview, I guess, of the direction. But uh, for, from your perspective for Ram, what uh, what what are some of the goals that you're trying to achieve uh, as you uh, get ready to introduce an electric pickup truck into the market? Well, thanks again for for having me. And I would say that a couple of things uh, here at CES, this is really the kickoff. Uh, we are officially in the race, if you will. And uh, it's a shame that we don't do more concept trucks just in general. It doesn't seem like we we do them much anymore, but. You know, when Ralph and I, we, we knew how big uh, this evolution uh, was to our brand, to the Ram truck brand, but also to Stellantis more broadly. So Ralph and I decided to develop this concept and uh, uh, we sent our designers and engineers, we, we affectionately referred to them as rebels, but basically said, look, guys, go back into the dome and, and dream, dream big. Uh, don't let any constraints uh, come in your way. And really, what we're, what we're revealing at CES is, is just that. So the Ram 1500 Revolution uh, battery electric concept is, is a glimpse into the future of Ram trucks. It's, it's a visionary roadmap of where we're taking the brand. And, and I would tell you, I think our, our customers and our fans, everything that they see, everything that they see from Ram from this day forward will somewhere be a descendant of the Ram 1500 Revolution concept vehicle and what we're showing here at CES. And I, I'll just start with the design. Ultra modern, I would say even heroic, uh, a stunning modular interior. I think 
very, very humbly, one of the things the Ram has become known for are their interiors. Um, they're, they're comfortable and quiet, the attention to detail. Imagine that electrified. We're going to bring all of that DNA into that particular product. But what I think is, is most important, so this truck, this concept truck, is, is loaded with tech, advanced mobility features. And of course, uh, it will be ultimately leading into the, the start of the actual production vehicle, which is not that far away, Sam. Uh, you know, you flip the calendar to 2023, our SOP for the actual Ram 1500 battery electric vehicle is next year. And so that window has shortened. We're, we're in the game. And uh, believe me, we're in, the, we're in the game to win. But I think what's really important is our approach. Ram is going to do things a little bit differently. We're not going to follow the other guys. We're going to bring a, I would say, a, a fuller portfolio of electrified solutions to the market. Because for me, and when we've been talking to our engineers and designers, for us, electrification is not a one-size-fits-all thing. And one thing that our customers have told us time and time and time again, they said, guys, please, please do not say, we're, we're open-minded. We're more open-minded than we ever have been to considering electrification in our pickup trucks, but do not sacrifice, do not compromise on the attributes we care about most, which historically, of course, towing and payload. But as we go into the future, it's more about range and charge time. So having full knowledge of what our competitors have announced have done actually some way provides an advantage for our brand. And so what we did to kind of frame this up, Sam, we, we created a, a what we're calling a consumer uh, or a customer performance index, which is basically taking everything we know today that's been publicly revealed and making sure that our performance benchmarks uh, not only meet but exceed the competitors in real world ways. And that's very, very important. Um, and so we think that when we bring our vehicle to market from 2024, it will be at the intersection of when the demand is there and the market and the infrastructure are more mature. So our suite of solutions, we're gonna do things a little bit differently. Uh, we are going to pay more attention to what we think the real world needs are for the electrified buyers. And if we think it's actually gonna be at a really, really good time when we think about that sort of adoption curve um, as, as, as we move into this electrified future. So uh, as an example of that, you know, uh, I think you know, one of the, the big things um, that's been uh, a challenge for the F-150 Lightning, uh, you know, it, it can certainly tow a lot. You can tow 10,000 pounds easily, as I think any electric truck, truck can, but it just can't do it for very long. Is that one of those things that you're talking about that you, know, that you see as something that you need to address as part of your portfolio? It's 1,000% uh, yes, 1,000% yes. It, and, that's, and that's exactly, and, and we've, uh, we, we decided that one other thing that I would say uh, Ram did a little bit differently maybe than the other guys, we, we fanned out across America last year, went to something like 20 or 25 cities on this Ram Real Talk tour. And really what it was, was a fireside chat at various events with, with um, prospective owners, current customers, but actually our engineers and designers were in attendance at many of these. So we got to hear firsthand from benign to a bird. It was perfect. I want to hear, I want to hear the good, the bad. You don't want an electrified truck? Great. Tell me why. So we've, we've kind of pulled all of this together. And, and the, the, the takeaway, the key takeaway is that, and it came back to this every single time, we're more open-minded 
but don't sacrifice on those core attributes. And range is a big part of that, to your point. So knowing that, uh, we have a different uh, suite of solutions, I think, than the other guys. And that's really going to help differentiate RAM uh, when we come to market from 2024. I think it's going to give us a big competitive advantage. So uh, on the concept that you're showing this week, um, you know, there's some really interesting design features. Um, I mean, starting just starting first off with the the overall look of it, uh, you know, it's certainly, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a shift from where you are today with RAM and, and a continuing transition from where the RAM design language has been going since, uh, since the T300 debuted in the, the mid 1990s. Um, is, is this the direction that for the RAM brand that we're going to see going forward with the, the tuning fork lighting, uh, signature and, and just the overall look and feel of the truck? Yeah, I think when we, uh, and by the way, we uh, we have plans to reveal the actual production Ram 1500 battery electric vehicle very, very soon, as in the next couple of months. So today oh, okay. at CES, this is the kickoff. This is the con- Yeah, this is the concept. Everything from this moment will be a direct descendant uh, uh, in some ways. And, and I would say, starting with the exterior appearance, Sam, and I think when you see, and I, I for understandable competitive reasons, I don't want to get too much into it because we're not that far away. So we'll, we'll be sharing more as we get a little bit closer, but uh, you're going to see influence from there. You're absolutely going to see influence from the concept to the to the production battery electric vehicle, but we're not we're not we're not eliminating our current in market lineup either. So this is in parallel, right? So we do think the electrified uh, styling has to be a little bit different, of course, has to stand out, be a little bit different from our current range. And I see, I think you'll see some of that uh, when we reveal it, uh, but um, but that's not far away. So um, so that, that, that that's the idea. So you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the interior, um, the, the, I think you mentioned the, the Ram track system, which stretches from the bed into the cab and, and even into the front. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that, you know, and how that works? And, and is that something that we can expect to see in the, in the production truck, a system like that? Yeah, the um, let me just uh, talk a little bit about the spirit. So we're calling it our one space environment. Uh, it's really about modularity. So the seats themselves will be on what you exactly what you said, the Ram track. They'll be able to swivel. They'll be able to pivot. Uh, they're removable. And actually, based upon the Stella frame architecture and, and where the EDMs are placed in the front and the rear, it actually allowed us to add four more inches to the cabin itself, which then gave our designers the opportunity to have a little bit of fun. And you may have seen we're actually going to add jump seats in. So we'll call it a third row into the vehicle. And the fun thing about the jump seats, um, they're actually removable. So you can put those on the track in the bed of the vehicle. For example, if you're tailgating, they're completely re- removable altogether. So you, if you, if your son is playing a high school football game, you can uh, use them as seats on the bleachers there. Um, it, it, one other thing that I think that comes to mind right away is, is this foldable and collapsible steering wheel as well. So when you're in an L3 autonomous mode, the, uh, the, the steering wheel will actually collapse and tuck away into the dash as well. And what it all ladders up to is modularity. Creating one environment that's comfortable, that's convenient, and that helps our customers, um, I would say, optimize uh, their workspace, whether that is truly for work or for play. Um, you know, the exterior styling, it's, it's sleek. Um, I, I would say it's even heroic. I think it's, uh, it's, it's very, very... Uh, uh, elegant, 
Uh, and and I think you'll see a lot of that, uh, certainly some of it in, in, in the actual production uh, uh, battery electric vehicle. In terms of the Ram tracks, again, just being a concept, this is a, a vision to the future. Some of these options may be in the production, some may come later. Uh, so I'll reserve revealing exactly what's in the, the actual production, but for now, only to say, only to say that we're starting to see the concept influence what the actual production bev will look like. Um, you know, one of the one of the most distinct features of this truck uh, compared to anything we've seen before. Uh, you know, you've got the the mid gate, which has been done before, uh, but the with the Ram tracks, uh, at least on the concept, you have the ability to remove that center console from between the yep. front seats, and then you have a pass through into the front. Uh, what where did that idea come from? Yeah, I mean, when you when you move the transmission, when you move the tunnel and, and the engine, and obviously with the frunk uh, being available, the, the cubic foot basis of the trunk, the footprint, if you will, is massive. It's a cavernous trunk, frunk, sorry. And you can actually put uh, an 18-foot piece of lumber, for example, in the vehicle enclosed. So from the very front of the frunk all the way through the bed, of the pickup with the tailgate closed, 18 feet. So our customers, of course, will now be able to carry more, uh, more cargo, more safely and more conveniently. But it was these creative solutions that when you start from basically, the things you can do are, are quite remarkable. And just, I think these are tips to the cap. Each one of these are, are tips of the cap to the innovation that uh, I think that you'll see from Ram that you'll certainly see in this this concept vehicle. And I would tell you, I would be remiss. Um, one of the features that I, I, I'm most excited about, a couple, one is the Ram Charger, the inductive robot we can talk about in a minute, but also this, this shadow mode. So this vehicle will have the, the ability, you'll be able to communicate with your vehicle from outside of the vehicle itself. So you'll be able to voice commands, could be to roll your window down, unlock the door, turn the music up, or what have you. But Think about if you're, uh, let's say, for example, you're a farmer, you're out throwing hay, uh, or you're uh, even an architect on a construction site somewhere, you can actually request that the vehicle follow you, just say Ram follow, and the vehicle using a blend of sensors and cameras will actually follow you at slow and safe speeds, so you don't have to continue to get in and out of the vehicle. Uh, it'll be right there, uh, I say by your side, it'll be behind you, but uh, just another, uh, I would say, uh, innovative uh, feature that I think you'll see from Ram. So the other thing is the Ram charger. Um, so much of this is about the customer experience. We want this to be frictionless. If I almost ask myself, how is the Ram, how is Ram going to change my life? How can I make your life easier, more frictionless? Certainly one of the, the elements in there is charging, the, the inconvenience of charging, the lack of understanding. It's, there's nothing to be scared of. One of the things that Ram is going to do to make it just a little bit easier is we are going to offer uh, the Ram charger, which will automatically detect who you are. And, and when you pull into the garage, say, for example, it will automatically place itself appropriately underneath the vehicle and it will actually maximize efficiency with your charge time as well. So, uh, you know, off peak hours, for example, which I think will uh, will help with the total cost of ownership. So uh, a couple really innovative features and developments, I think, that, uh, that that you'll see more of from Ram going forward. Yeah, the, the Ram Charger in particular, I think, is is a really interesting idea uh, because obviously, you know, with with inductive charging, um, you know, you really need to position you know, anybody that's put, tried to put their phone down on a on a charging pad. Yeah, exactly. Knows that, you, know, you, exactly. you have to mess around with it. So uh, that that 
the the chart the, the charging transmitter uh you know the floor part which is normally on most of these systems is fixed in place this is going to be kind of like a Roomba that when you drive into your garage it, it senses it's going to sense where the the receiver is on your truck and then just automatically position itself in just the right spot that's a very practical way to describe it. Think of it that way. It's it's like a Roomba. In fact, I think dimensionally, it's not far off, uh, to be honest, from from a Roomba. But that's that's the idea. And you have to do nothing. It's you pull into your garage into your normal place, and it uh, and it it basically takes care of of everything else for you automatically, seamlessly, and frictionlessly. Is that something we can expect to see in production in the next uh, couple of years? I, I think it's fair to say. That you will okay. see that from uh, from and and you know look we're obviously that's the beautiful thing about Stellantis right we're we're a global I mean Ram is more global than ever I mean historically we've been focused uh, on North America only and and uh, so proud of what we've been able to do in some of the international markets but one of the beautiful things about a global company as Stellantis is that you get to leverage um, all of the brands all of the different technologies that are coming from both sides so I think you're going to see uh, I think you're going to see that from our from our company certainly in the next few years yes. All right. Well, we're about out of time. Any final thoughts you want to share? Yeah, just to, again, I, this is the kickoff. Uh, this isn't the end. It's very much the beginning. Ram EV tech news throughout 2023, leading to the start of production for our Ram 1500 BEV in 2024. It's not that far away. Uh, we have a lot of big news and um, I think this is a good way to start. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you for your time, Mike, and have a great day. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, and we're back. Uh, and uh, the uh, the the next EV from um, from uh, CES. CES. Um, back in 2020, when they had the last time that they had a full size in person CES event, uh, which more than likely triggered the global pandemic, uh, because <laughs> every, you know 175,000 people there. Uh, I was very careful at that CES. That was because that at, when I got home, I had a big show with like two bands, uh-huh. and I had that show. Like I got home on Thursday, I had a big show on Friday. So I like I I, I never use hand sanitizer. I use hand sanitizer. I didn't like hug people. Oh, I tried not to. Look at I, you! Like, you were ahead of your time because I couldn't Robbie. show up because I couldn't show up. I couldn't get home and then like be sick. Yeah. Because of, yeah, so I like I was really careful that CES and it worked out pretty well for Robbie. Well, dur- <laughs> during that show, dur- in twenty twenty. Um, that was uh, Sony during their annual press conference showed off a car for the first time, the Vision SO1, I think it was called. It was an EV, and it was unclear if Sony actually intended to ever get into the business of building cars. And they, this seemed- whole Sony thing with their building cars, I remember, I, I think I've talked about this before. I called them, we're like, yeah, we're not building it. And then a week later, Motor Train called them, and they're like, yeah, we're going to build it. And I'm like, make up your mind, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Because they don't know. It depends who answers the phone. Yeah, I mean, you know, it seemed at the time like it might just be, you know, they they put together a car to showcase all the parts that they make for cars, all the sensors, the cameras, and and other stuff, and the um, the the screens that they make, and the lighting systems, and all the other various bits and pieces. Well, last year when we had sort of an in-person slash hybrid CES, they showed a second version. Uh, an S, you know, crossover version of it. The first one was a sedan. And then a few months later, they announced a joint venture with Honda called Sony Honda Mobility Corporation. And they said, yep, we're going to build cars with Honda. 
you know, we're, we're going to use our technology and Honda's going to build the cars for us. And, and, uh, and that plant, you know, that plant is going to be in Ohio, uh, where Honda has got a bunch of other plants. Um, and, um, so they didn't really show anything new, um, during their press conference this year. Uh, basically the, the car they showed was a mildly updated version of the original concept from three years ago, but they announced a new brand. So instead of going to a Sony Honda mobility store to buy your, your, your Sony Honda mobility EV, you get to go to an Afila store. Afila. Afila you. <laughs> some, some branding agency got paid way too much money, I think. Wait, 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 too much. Afila? You have to, I, I was talking to Pol, the, the CEO of Polestar a few months ago. And we were talking about names, and they have Polestar 1, Polestar 2. And I'm like, how come? He's like, oh, my God, coming up with names is the biggest. It, essentially, the, the thing was, coming up with names is a huge pain in the ass. And they had to yeah. have the lawyers. So it's, a bunch of people got together, and then they had to have lawyers, all this. Like, this was months, months in the making of Fila. Yeah. Man, think how many it's, iterations that went through. Be- how many and names? What- how bad were the other names? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the, the, the problem with trying to name stuff especially something you're going to sell globally is, you know, words have different meanings in different, different yeah. countries, which yeah, is a have, true problem. Yeah. So you got to find squares. something that doesn't mean anything to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I even think of what was it? It's the Nissan Kashki. Am I even saying it right? That's something like that. Yeah. Right. And it's spelled so weirdly. And I remember talking to someone Nissan. It's like, we tried all these different ways to figure out how to make that word work in the US, U.S., and no combination of letters ever rolled off the tongue the way they wanted it to say. So they just went with Rogue Sport. Uh-huh, pretty much. Rogue <laughs> yeah, so, so th- coming in 2026, uh, cars, electric cars from Afila. Afila. Uh, one, of the, one of the interesting details that they did uh, change on the, the concept that they showed Actually, I'm not sure if it was on the original or not, but but it's certainly on the one that they had there, there this week. Is they have a media bar in the front, so a lot of EVs have these light bars across the front. Sony has a a media bar in between the headlights where the where the Afila badge is, but it can also display other stuff. And apparently, like during the press conference, I think they were showing a trailer for um, Spider-Man, the latest Spider-Man movie, like No Way Home or whichever one it was, or. I think that's Home, right. Homework, you know, whatever, that, whatever the whatever latest Spider-Man was. movie was. <laughs> oh, Spider-Man. Uh, and uh, you know, and on the on the website for um, for the vehicle, they show show it displaying a, a charging graph. You know, so it shows you what the state of charge is when, when it's plugged in, so you can see if you know if it's done or not. Uh, so I mean, there's some interesting stuff you could potentially do with that. But I don't know about that name. Will we, Robbie? Will we get used to it? I mean, we gotten used to the word Prius. No, we which haven't. Sounds, which sounds a little I, bit like I, penis. We, we have not. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I never thought that. <laughs> oh, there you go. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks. Uh, Fila. <laughs> I just think of a Fila Fila Cootie, and now I'm like, all right. Uh, okay, so that's a Fila. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That went off the rails. Okay. Next up, we have the BMW iVision D, uh, spelled D-E-E, which is an acronym for, uh, what the heck is it an acronym Digital Emotional (laughs) Experience. There you go. 
I knew I knew there was digital experience in there. I couldn't remember what the other emotional. E was for. Yes, emotional. Emotions. Digital emotional experience. So it, so la- last year when almost nobody showed up for CES, <laughs> BMW was there with a concept. They had an iX that was covered in e-ink. You know the same stuff that Amazon Kindle screens are made from. And this one is also covered in e-ink, except it's not black and white e-ink like the iX Flow was last year. It's color e-ink. Mm. And it can change colors. And it was doing all kinds of funky stuff. I saw it in the, the BMW booth. Uh, and did you watch it actually changing colors? I like did. live and in person? I yeah? did. And I, I, I got a little video clip of it, which I'll, I'll find. Uh, and I will, uh, I'll include that in the show notes. Um, did it look cool or did it look weird? It, it, it looked kind of cool. Yeah? It was kind of like cool, a party. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine if the lights cool. inside. If you get this exterior and the Mercedes-Benz EQS interior, woo! Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I'll, I'll I'll drop the uh, uh, a link here in the chat so you guys can see what it looks like going through some purple and yellow and white and orange and blue. Um, so it it is actually kind of cool. Um, yeah, I mean, the nice thing about it is you can easily change the color no matter, you know, what, what your mood is on any given day. You don't have to get your car repainted. You can just pick a color you want. Uh, you probably don't want it, you know, flashing through all these colors while you're driving down the road because that would be kind of distracting to people. <laughs> to other, can you imagine you're just driving along and you see this car just next to you churning 85 colors? Yeah. That would so be freaky. So many accidents. So many. So, so, so many. So it, it you know... BMW didn't fully confirm it, but this the shape of this car, like, ignore the e-ink for a moment. The shape of this car is actually probably a pretty decent preview of what the so-called Neue class, the first Neue class models are going to be. So Neue class is literally German for new class. So Okay, so I went to Germany to see this car. I flew uh-huh. all the way this to concept Germany. Or- yep. Yeah, okay. all the way to Germany to see this car. They didn't have that color e-ink on it yet, and they didn't tell us they would have. They showed us this car, and then we went to the e-ink laboratory, and we talked to all of them. Ooh. The nicest people, super excited about e-ink. It was great. Um, they showed us all the color stuff, and they were Just like— Just make sure you do not spell it with a dash. So it's not e-ink. It's uppercase E, space, uppercase I, and K. You're not the boss of me. Anyway— uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put two dash. I'm gonna M dash in there. I got, I got a I got an email from them after the story went live. Oh, you saying, made that uh, terrible mistake. You, you need to change this. Oh so I sent gosh. it to the editors at Forbes Wheels and said, "Here, you got to change this." this. Oh uh, gosh, so I funny. go all the way to Germany. I sit down with the designer. Will we see the car like this on the road? No, that's what he says. <laughs> and then a few minutes later, I'm talking to somebody else, and they're like, "Well." You know, the iX probably wasn't supposed to be something like this either. Just so you know, the iX was a vision car. And I'm just like, all right. So I got uh, two different answers from BMW, from the designer <laughs> and from BMW, a oh spokesperson, about what this car will look like, about this design. The design, not with all the crazy stuff on it, not with the e-ink on it, none of that. Just the design of the car, which, by the way, is outstanding, coming to market. Mm-hmm. So now, I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, BMW has said that the first Neue class model will be, uh, you know, like a three series size sedan, which is what this is. You know, and if you're doing, you know, a full on electric, it, it makes sense. They've certainly gotten a lot of criticism for their current design language with the massive vertical kidney grills and, and stuff. And this, you know, kind of goes back to a more horizontal look and it's more integrated 
Um, you know, and I think I think it looks the the shape looks really good. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Yeah. I would buy one. And uh, the designer tells me no. BMW says maybe. I'm like, all right, guys, come on. <laughs> what one aspect of this that BMW did say is real and is coming to the uh, to that car in 2025 uh, is um, uh, the heads up display. So in the concept, there's no there's no screens at all in here. It's it's devoid of screens. Hmm. Um, no no touch screens whatsoever. Um, and instead, it has a full width heads up display along the the bottom of the uh, the the windshield. Uh, and then uh, in the uh, um, in the, uh, the the dashboard, um, which is basically flat. I mean, it t- it takes minimalism to a to a new level, you know, it, it, makes, it makes the interior of a Tesla Model 3 look cluttered. Oh, geez. Um, you know, because basically all you have is this flat surface and a steering wheel. Uh, but hidden below that using Shytech, um, you know, as your finger approaches that surface, there is a slider, a virtual slider that lets you select. Uh, they, they call it the mixed reality slider. Uh, and so you can select what level of information you want displayed in the HUD. So you can have just basic analog gauges in front of you uh, or, you know, go up to uh, an augmented reality display or even in the, one of the vid- video that they posted, you can have a full-on virtual reality display. You know, so as you're driving down the road, you know, this thing is <laughs> overlaying a, a virtual reality environment over the real world around you, which actually seems like a really bad idea. If you're driving, <laughs> well, I mean, if it was yeah. actually autonomous, you you know, it would be one thing, but... Yeah, I, I I talked to them about that too. Yeah, they were they were like, well, this is clearly not something that's going to actually happen. Yeah, <laughs> because no, it's, it's, I, I, it's I the front windshield, it's the side windows. Yeah. Like when I was when I was there, like the the both the interior and the exterior of the 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 side windows were were displays. So, like when you walk up to the car, I could have a picture of you. Like there's they made an avatar of me. Mm-hmm. There's a video yeah. of it on in YouTube on Furry Gadget. And you walk up, and there's like, hey, Roberto. And then on the inside, it has all the, <laughs> like, the whole weird, crazy virtual reality world. And they're, I'm like, well, this is not a thing. And they're like, well, this is just something we can show off. They were just yeah. like, don't tell people this is coming to. This is, it's, it's a concept car. Settle down. It's, but, yeah. but the full width, you know, augmented reality display, heads-up display, is something that they say will be on the, the, the 2025 Noi class. So that is, that is, that is real. Um, and that's that's coming. And I actually saw um, on Friday morning, uh, I was at a demo with Morelli, um, and they were showing off, they were demonstrating something very similar to that. They had a, an interior buck with a full-width heads-up display, very similar to what BMW showed. So they may well be the, the supplier for the system on the, uh, um, on the, uh, the Noya class. But, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to see these kinds of full-width, these these larger heads up displays coming from more and more manufacturers in the coming years. As long as they don't get in the way and they I don't have to look down while driving, that's great. Yeah. Well, and yeah. you know, and, and I think you know, if you're not going to put an instrument cluster in there, a traditional instrument cluster, then you do need to have at least some kind of heads up display. You have to yeah. And also there just make this something. car. Yeah. yeah. Just make this car. That's all I care about. I don't care you can you can make it with like a tack, like an analog tack. I don't care. Just make this. Make the D, just so I can make the D. BMW, make the D. 
This, this would be the you. this would Make be the, the the best three series uh, since the E36. Oh my God, you're right. Good. Oh, yeah. it'd be so great. This and 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 Hyundai make that hydrogen thing. What's, I forget what it's called. Yeah, uh, both of those cars. Both yeah. of those could come out, and they could battle each other. We could do head to head. Like, oh, it, it, what a wonderful world we live in. <laughs> <laughs> if only. If only we can get both of those cars on the. Uh, uh, oh. Which one would? Who would I throw money at? That's the. That's that's the. Who would question. I throw money at? There's so many who cars. Who would get they, my monies? These, these these concept cars that I would like. Oh, I would totally buy this. I remember. <laughs> I drove the ID buggy around uh, Pebble Beach, and when I got back, I talked to to, <laughs> to one of the PR guys. I'm like, if you price this under thirty thousand dollars, I'm just gonna buy one. I don't care. It doesn't right. have a roof. Doesn't have anything. I want it. And he was just like, oh yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, not gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, all right, so the uh, the the final um, EV that uh, that was shown there uh, is actually one that's real um, that's coming. Uh, <laughs> you know, that, it exists. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, real, real. They showed it. You know, it was it was still in in, in a camo finish, but it is a, an actual product. You know that what we saw was you know aside from the camo finish was the vehicle that's going into production next year. Go Volkswagen, uh, showing a real thing. It's it's the VW ID7, which is the production version of the ID Aero um, concept from a, a couple of years back. Um, so I will include uh, the link to the the ID Aero um, in the in the show notes, uh, so you can see basically what this thing's going to look like without the the funky QR code digital finish. Um, but the that finish that they put on this thing is, is pretty wild. Apparently, it's something like 40 coats of paint. Whoa. Um, and within, like, um, Oh, below, so it's not a wrap? Uh, no, it's not a wrap because... It's actual there, paint. There's, wow. there's a, there's a, there's a um, somewhere in there, there's a, an electrical layer. It's a special kind of paint, too. So they can actually change the colors of it. So it's kind of like e-ink, but not, it's not e-ink. Um, but they can, they can have parts of it. And so if you, if you look at the, uh, the thing, uh, you know, the pictures of it, you see it in different colors, mm-hmm. and that's all changed. You know, from the car itself, uh, they can uh, they can pro- they can change the colors, um, and uh, so this thing is roughly the size of a of an Arteon, a VW Arteon, um, and it is a hatchback like the Arteon. Uh, so this will most likely you know ultimately be the replacement for the Arteon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's based on the MEB platform like the other current ID models, the ID3, the ID4, ID5. Um, and um, <clears throat> it's going to launch in China first, um, early in 2024. Uh, and then they're going to launch production in Germany, uh, middle of next year. And in the fall of 2024, we get it here in North America. Uh, had a chance to chat with uh, Thomas Schaefer, who's the head of the Volkswagen brand, the new head of the Volkswagen brand. Um, and uh, he said, yeah, we still think that there's a place for, even though, you know, they just discontinued the Passat. You know, he says, we still think that there's a place for, for sedans in North America. Um, and uh, they, they definitely want to, they're definitely going to bring this one here. And it's, it's a sharp looking car. It's a nice, nice shape to it. And it's nice to see somebody doing, you know, electric stuff, you know, that is car shaped instead of SUV shaped. <laughs> and real? <laughs> car shaped car real, shaped real. look at that car shaped thing and it's real I mean oh, ooh real car shapes and Volkswagen's nice. knocking it out of the park at the moment <laughs> nice bring back the cabriolet that's all I got there. <laughs> yeah you never know 
Never know. We, we were getting a mini cab, uh, mini electric uh, convertible. That's so. <sighs> Being, you know, just wait and see. And it'll have a, a bigger 15-inch center touchscreen than the the ID4, uh, which I think is like a 12-inch or something. Um, there, uh, <clears throat> uh, one of the things that uh, Schaefer talked about uh, was the software. You know, obviously, you know, VW and their software division, Cariad, have had some challenges over the last couple of years. And um, recently they rolled out version 3 of the, the software. So up until version 3, the version 2.x stuff, um, they weren't able to, they, they, had, they couldn't reliably do over-the-air software updates. Um, and they claimed, you know, they, they, they tried some, they did some, but some people were having problems with it where it wasn't working right. So the version three, they completely rewrote the software stack, or mostly rewrote it. I think is probably more accurate, um, and especially the 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 update component of it. And what they're doing with that, you know, they start they started rolling it out in Europe, and they're going to be doing it here shortly with version three. Is you actually take the car into a dealer, where they will reflash it with version three, and then from there on. It should be able to do all OTA updates for everything on the car. You won't That's need good. to take it in for for updates wow. anymore. They've That's had cool. so many problems, so yeah. this will be nice. And it'll be. It seems like it'll you know it'll all be fixed before the ID Buzz comes. Which I'm just waiting for them to uh, open up reservations so I can put her put money down. <laughs> Give them all your money on a van so I can drive the dogs around. All right. Uh, so that's the ID buzz. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I'm sorry. I, I messed you up. <laughs> I, yes, the ID7. Um, you know, and this thing, they were supposed to do the reveal event at a site on a dry lake outside of Las Vegas, about 30 minutes outside of uh, away from the Strip. Mm-hmm. Um, and the day before, it rained. Oh, no. And, and turned the dry lake into a mud pit. Oh. <laughs> so they had to relocate it and, and just do it at their pavilion at the uh, convention center instead. That's a stinker. Imagine all the planning that went into that that fell to pieces. You know what would have been great for that? The Magneto. Oh, for that it mud. Would have. Huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. There you uh-huh. go. Uh-huh. 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 I'm with you. All right. Uh, we got a couple of questions from listeners. Um, and uh, don't forget, if you want to send us questions, uh, please feel free to send them to feedback at wheelbearings.media. You can use the link on the website, uh, or you can send them to us um, via um, uh, Mastodon at uh, wheelbearingscast at uh, uh, federated sp- federated.press. Um, so uh, first up, this one uh, was from uh, an email from NR Fields, um, and says, uh, you're all sound, sending good messaging about snow tires where appropriate. Uh, do you mean the ones marked with the symbol of a mountain and snowflake? And yes, that is exactly what we mean. So if you want to know if something is a proper winter tire, not just a snow tire, but a winter tire that has the right compound so it'll stay pliable when the temperature gets below 40 degrees, on the sidewall you will find a symbol that looks like a mountain with three peaks and a snowflake in the middle of it. And it's actually called technically the Three Peak Mountain Snowflake. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> You'll What's see it called? It, the Three Peak Mountain Snowflake. You'll see it abbreviated. Not going to do it. The, like the number three P M S F in uh, tire descriptions on websites yeah. to indicate that it does have that rating. There you go. So mm-hmm. that means when it's below 40 degrees Fahrenheit, the tire will stay nice and pliable. You'll still get traction. It'll be great. 
you'll have a much more much much better time and a much safer time if you have those kinds of tires on in the winter time. Yes, it's and it, you should it. We keep saying it and just you know, guys, really, it's worth it. They make your tire your car handle yeah. so much better. If you live anywhere it, where you just have do it, a but whole yeah, that's how you know. And if you're not sure. If you're not really sure, ask. Like, you know, I, I'm a big fan of the Tire Rack guys. I think they're amazing. If you call the guys at Tire Rack or even do their chat, they know what they're talking about. And if you need help figuring out what kind of winter tire you need or if you need a winter tire or what your all seasons are capable of doing, those guys can answer any questions. They're, they're really good. I like them. And they do a lot of their own tire testing. They do. Um, and so, you know, they have experience with almost all the tires that they sell. Like they really, they're not, it's not just, and a lot of the people that have been there have been there for a very long while. So you guys have, you have guys who are genuinely experts in all things tires and really know what they're talking about. So if you want to, if you want somebody to explain it to you or to talk to somebody without making them, without any condescension and just helping you understand what to buy and what's what and what's good for your vehicle, that, those are the guys I'd send yeah. you to Tire Rack every time. And don't be a meanie when people ask you questions about cars. Speaking of condensation. Con, con, no, whatever. Condescension. <laughs> Some people are just so mean about like, I can't believe you don't know this. I'm like, don't be that guy or that guy. No, I always say that like when I do drives and stuff or people that are new, you know, you get someone who's a new journalist and they're a little nervous because they don't know everybody and they don't know everything because none of us know everything. Let's be honest. Yeah, I don't know everything. But that sometimes they're like, they're Some really intimidated do. and <laughs> I don't like those people. Um, but they're intimidated. And it's just like, you know, just be nice. If you know more nice. about something than somebody else, share nice the news, share the information. All of us started out not knowing anything about whatever it is we're talking about, like experts right now. So just be and nice. And some to of people. us still don't know nearly enough. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's like when we, when we do like like because I did, I've you know, I've been covering EVs and, and and hydrogen stuff for a long time, and so there's there's like people who have been car journalists for like 20 years who don't know that space. I'm always happy to like, oh yeah, no, it's just this, this, and this. Because well, you know, if, if you're all standoffish and you don't help them, who does that benefit? No, you don't help anybody. So when I have, we're oh, gonna this... get a scoop that they didn't get. Ooh. So this Mercedes that I had this week, we got some snow, and I took a picture of it and I shared it on my social media with that just plugged in and happily charging, covered with snow. There's like mm -hmm. an inch and a half of snow on everything. And I put in like, yeah, you can actually do this. You can. Like people are nervous about even charging an EV in the snow. They're like, what if it snows? What if it rains? I'm like, plug it in and charge it. Yeah, you, like you, know, you, think, you think of water and electricity not mixing well. And right? Generally, you, they don't. Right. But the, the way the charge connectors are designed, you know, it's not a problem. You know, you can plug it in in pouring rain. You can plug it in in the snow. And right. It'll be fine. So I took a little picture and shared it. I put a video up and shared it. And it was funny because a lot of people, EV enthusiasts, enthusiasts said, it's so cool that you're sharing that because there's a lot of misinformation. A couple of people were snarky, like, that's a stupid question. And I'm like, dude, that's because you know. No, if you don't know, if you don't know, then it's not a stupid question. And I said, I guarantee you there is a good handful of people that watched this and said, oh, my God, really? Because they don't know. From the number of people that I get questions about when that thing's parked in my driveway, people, so you know, just be nice when people just ask you nice. questions. And there's a lot of you bad have the information out there. Be nice. Be nice, people. Be nice. Absolutely. Make that your, your New Year's resolution. Be nice it's with what you know. Super that, smart. That, I mean, that's a, that's things. that's one that should be a resolution that everybody should be able to keep without too much difficulty. You would think. You, you would think so, but yeah, well, mm. <clears throat> I could say something else, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mike Enos asked, um, do Tesla's demand problems just mean that the EV space is getting more competitive? Um, and yeah. I'll, I'm going to, I'm going to, 
connect this with another question from, based on the spelling, I'm going to guess that this should be pronounced Yari Penaman or Penanen. Um, I'm guessing Scandinavian, possibly. That's a good um, guess. But uh, you know, if if I'm incorrect, please uh, you know shoot us a note and, and tell you know give me the uh, correct uh, pronunciation. Um, but uh, Yari and Mike. Uh, Mike's questions are related. Uh, Yari asked, um, now that Tesla isn't doing as well, which of the electric car brands do you predict will benefit the most? So, you know, Tesla, since we last uh, recorded, Tesla put out their uh, fourth quarter um, volume, uh, you know, delivery numbers, um, which were up by about 40% compared to 2021, although they had been projecting that it was going to be up by 50%. Um, you know, so they, they fell short of their projections and what most of the financial analysts, the wall street guys were projecting. Um, and, um, the, uh, you know, there, there's a number of reasons for that and probably none of them have to do with overall demand for EVs. Cause I don't think that that's declining at all. Mm-mm. Um, I think, I think it is that the space is getting more competitive, but it's also, I think people are getting tired of Elon. Because I know several people that have Teslas that are planning to get rid of them because they are fed up with his nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you you have a lot of – there's a lot of EVs. Before, if you were like, what am I going to get? Well, I was saying, I'm going to get a Tesla or I'm going to get a Nissan Leaf. And that was kind of it. And then I could get a Tesla or I could get a Bolt. And now you get a Tesla or you can get a Kia or you can get a Hyundai or you can get a Ford, or you can get a Nissan, or you can get a Cadillac, or you can. It is, there's a lot. There's a lot more. There's, there's more options. And Rams yeah, and Dodges and Rams. It's just you know. They, or a Fila. Or, or, or a Fila. Or a Fila. There's just more autos. You know, there's still there's just more cars in the space, and you know they're going to keep continue to lose market share, and that's just. I mean, they should have known. They should have seen it coming. If they had, if they didn't see it coming, that's ridiculous. But it, I'm sure they did. Um, but yeah, and and the which who do you predict will benefit the most? I want to say Kia and Hyundai, but I still think Kia and Hyundai still have. There's still people who don't realize that Kia and Hyundai make good cars. <laughs> yeah, that's I, their biggest challenge. That right? is their because biggest challenge. Like, I am not going to buy a car from them. I I, yeah. I feel like I have that argument at least once a week with someone who asks me about cars. You'd really recommend those? Yes, yes, yes I would. Good. Yeah, I think that's that's that they're not they're not battling like that their car their current cars aren't good. They're battling that their cars from twenty years ago were bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I, I, Ford's probably going to be doing really well. GM, uh, the Bolt is doing really well. I think a lot of the American automakers are probably going to do really well um, as they you know. As, as they introduce more cars, and I think Kia. As more and more people drive Kia and Hyundai's, and they finally talk everybody into the fact that they make good cars. I think they're going to do. I mean, they to me. I mean, they're, it's it's tough to beat them when, in, when you drive. I'm curious EVs. to see how far they can sort of divide this market as they're coming out with all these EVs because there's still a lot of people who aren't ready for various reasons to buy one. There's some great reasons to buy an EV, and there's some great reasons where it's not the right car for you, especially if it's your only car, depending on how you drive. You know, really, it's not the right car for everyone. So you wonder if the people, the small chunk of people who are willing to buy an EV right now, and it's growing, but really, really slowly. Well, it's growing a lot faster. I mean, we've gone from 1.5% EV market share in 2020 to 6%. At the end of 2022. Well, I know, but that's still a very small, considering oh, yeah. considering what you had for EVs available in 2020, 
versus what you have for EVs available now in terms of your number of choices. And that amount of growth over three years, you can only divide that so far up. Like what, you know what I mean? It'll, I'll be interested to see at what point it's like, okay, everybody's selling five because <laughs> they yeah. just start selling. And the, there's, there's too many options out here now and not quite enough people ready to buy in. I think it'll both, both will continue to grow. The amount of people who want to buy it will continue to grow as more are available because you, as more become, show up on your street and as your neighbor gets one. I mean, we can sit there and yell at people all day and say, buy it. You should get an EV. Your second car should be an EV. They're going to listen to, you know, Judy across the street who bought a Mach-E or Bill down the block who bought a, you know, an EV6 because they'll be like, man, I never have to go to the gas station. <laughs> I don't have to, like, deal with that shit anymore. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the fact that my wife doesn't have to go to a gas station at 11 o'clock at night because to, to fill up the gas on our BRZ is outstanding. She just comes home, plugs it in. Like, again, the, the, my, my favorite story is that she didn't know gas prices had gone up because she hadn't been to the gas station in like a year. That's awesome. She's like, did you know gas is like $6 a gallon? She's like, what's happened? So. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for sending in your questions and for continuing to listen. Um, and uh, don't forget, like I said, if you want to send in questions, feedback at wheelbearings.media. Um, and we will try to answer them every week if we can. Um, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.